<laughs> we're going we're going uh, on a skipjack today on boat talk. <laughs> it's time of four o'clock time for boat talk here on Community Radio Tuesday, uh, second Tuesday of the month. Boat Talk is brought to you by your co-hosts Alan Sprague and John Johansson, and we're joined today by uh, our fav- one of our favorite guests, Art Payne. We're going to be talking with Art in a little bit, but Boat Talk is a call-in show, and I'll give you the phone number after John gives us the boatyard report, but we're glad to be back on air live, finally doing Boat Talk again, so we're going to go to... Uh, Turn it over to John and what's happening up and down the coast, John. All right. Well, this time I actually brought a cheat sheet. So let's see. I stopped at Davis Smallcraft. Davis Smallcraft is actually uh, a renter at Six River Marine in North Yarmouth. And he builds a lot of furniture and stuff like that. But he also does some work on small craft like uh, an acorn. All right, they're rearranging my microphones. Yeah, that's better. <laughs> okay, and then uh, the big one I stopped into was Down East Custom Boats. Now, that's Joe Lowell. It used to be known as uh, Even Keel uh, Boat Yard, it was, or the uh, Lowell Brothers. And, but Joe is now by himself, and uh, he's got a boat in there built in 1984 by Royal Lowell, uh, called Royal. Unfortunately, Royal passed away when this boat was under construction. She's a 36-footer. They have just got the keel into her. They are actually lining the keel up, uh, started to do some framing, uh, which once they start, they're going to go from the deadwood on the forward aspect of the boat, head aft. And once they got most of the frames in the forward end, they're going to be able to take out the stem and uh, uh, forefoot and actually rebuild that. Uh, they've got a uh, Calvin Beal 32 there, an old, uh, actually 30, uh, yeah, 32. And she's a wooden boat that was built, that went to Marshfield, Massachusetts. I'm not sure where she was originally. And she, he's got to do some keel work on that, but just minor. But most of, most of the rest of the work is going to be done by the owner. He also picked up, and this is interesting because I had never known that Arnold built one of these, but a 30-foot uh, inboard-outboard built in 1970. And she was in New York, and so Joe's got that, and he's going to uh, do a little bit of keel work on the forefoot and do a lot of painting and hopefully have it in the water uh, this spring. Uh, Friendship Boatworks has got a, a, Calv- uh, a Calvin Beal 42 that they're finishing off as a lobster boat slash charter boat for sport fishing, and that's going down, split wheelhouse, it's going down to... Uh, Providence, Rhode Island, uh, and should be done sometime late this spring. Uh, Holland's Boat Shop, of course, has always got something going on. They've got a beautiful 32 in there now that they're working on, and she's almost complete. Uh, She's going to New York to a guy that actually owns a 100-foot Viking. And the reason that he wanted the Holland 32 is because with the Viking, he has to have a crew. But with the 32, he figures he could take it out himself. And he's also uh, rumored to have going to be buying a 14 to go with the 32. Uh, they've also got a 38 in there. That 38 is going to San Diego, California, and that's going to be um, a yacht. 
uh, probably won't go out this year. And they've got another 32 that's sitting up front. She's basically going to be a day boat going to somebody who used to have a uh, fully outfitted 35-foot Duffy. And that boat uh, was sold uh, because, of course, as most of us get older, we try to <laughs> downgrade what we've got. We and, get wider as we get older. Yeah. <laughs> so th- basically what they wanted was a day boat that they could go around Casco Bay, and and this is just going to be that. It's, there's not much down below. Uh, let's see. We went to Samoset Boatworks because Samoset launched a 42-footer th- called the uh, Double Down. Uh, she was a Muscle Ridge boat uh, that was finished off by Samoset, which is Matt Sledge. And uh, she's powered with a D13 700 horsepower Scania. Uh, she's split wheelhouse. She's only got a V-berth, hydrolocker, and electronics cabinet down below, and a place for a microwave and a Keurig. Got to have a place for the coffee maker. Oh, and, yes. <laughs> and she's uh, now owned by a fisherman uh, in Stonington. Uh, and like I said, she's called Double Down. And she arrived there probably the middle of April. And in her place that went into the shop was Little Elise. She's a 45 Young Brothers that was finished off by Little River Boat Shop, I don't know how many years ago. She's owned by Eben Wilson, and he's doing a major uh, rebuild of this boat. Uh, they're going to make her into split wheelhouse, and this means that they're going to move the companionway from the port side to the center so that they can put the helm onto the port side. Uh, they're also repowering her because the engine that they're pulling out is a 650 horsepower Volvo with over 22,000 hours on it. Uh, and this project's probably going to take them right into June. Uh, and they need to have it done in June because already 142 Muscle Ridges arrived. Another one's supposed to arrive in June. And both of these boats are being finished out as sport fishing boats. One's going to Massachusetts and the other's going to Rhode Island. So I also stopped in Sean Snow's shop. He's in, I believe, Brooksville. And uh, he's got a Northern Bay 38 that he's extending to about 41 feet. Uh, he's already done this, and, one, and that boat has already gone down to Moses' shop, or called Barracua Boatworks, which is in Steuben, uh, right at Kennedy uh, Marine. Uh, this 38 is going to Joe, Sha- uh, Joe Sargent's uh, shop in Millbridge. And both of them are being finished out as commercial boats. Uh, and then I stopped in always an interesting place, and in, in sometimes you get a real lesson here. You go to Woodman Boats in Kennebunkport, and I was supposed to go down there to see the Melody. Melody was a uh, Booth Chick-built boat and uh, fished out of Kennebunk, uh, Cape uh, Porpoise. And she was in there this fall, and uh, having frames done, that sort of thing. They were going to rebuild her, put her back into shape. She wasn't too bad, but did need some work. But when I got there, expecting to see poor Melody inside, she was outside covered up, and inside was a Moab Jack, which is an L. Francis Hershoff design, fiberglass boat that was laid up by Stacy Raymond's brother, Dwight Raymond, at Performance Marine, and a this boat was finished off. She, uh, Dwight basically laid up the hull, and then uh, Richard Woodman, who owns Woodman Boats, basically finished the boat off, and she was launched in 99. And he sails it as a charter boat out of Kennebunkport. And he keeps it on a, high, on, a, on a cradle in the river. 
and apparently one of the cradle pots <laughs> failed. Out of the way. Yeah. yeah. I'm not sure it rotted or whatever it did. It was in one of those big storms. Well, they make cradle out of the cheapest wood you can find, so I wouldn't. Well, this was actually metal, I believe. Oh, okay. Poked a hole right in the side. Looked like he said like a cannonball had gone through uh, it. Oh, so when you, when you, and so she's in there, and she's all repaired. Uh, he's now just basically got um, um, the painting to do. He also did some other minor repairs because, of course, there was 20 years of bottom paint because he hadn't brought it up to the shop in 20 years and you know just made the boat look better but some of the stuff that he does the next project if it all comes to fruition is going to be on a Chris craft and these early ones were called numbered boats and this customer has got one of these with its original Curtis OX5 engine which has already been rebuilt and he, um, Richard Woodman has also done a number of the boats. If you, any of you have gone up to uh, Lake Winnipesaukee, some of those old wooden boats, Richard has had a hand in rebuilding. He did one, and I can't remember the name of it, but it was an English boat with a basically what we would call a torpedo stern, but it wasn't rounded. It was pointed. And she was built by Thornycraft back in the early 1900s. Well, somebody had cut off the stern so there wasn't huh. the torpedo was gone. <laughs> so, But they had the lines. And so they totally rebuilt this boat, and it's back underway in England again. Oh, good. They had so. to take some stern measures to figure that one out. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> so that's it from running around the coast. Yeah, well, uh, when you were in the very beginning, they were talking about the uh, restoration of the the old power boat that they were starting with a deadwood and working on up from there is one of the examples of uh, when people say uh, how much of the boat is original, they're going to say just the name yeah <laughs> i got that from brian larkin one time yeah when i walked in there when they were rebuilding aphrodite and aphrodite's a pretty design and it's torpedo stern about 60 foot and <laughs> i they had it pretty well ripped apart already and i says what's original in this and that's exactly what he said the yeah. name you know art is quite the photographer and you know a good photographer up in penobscot marine museum we ought to get together a, a pretty boat Collection? Uh, collection, yeah, of just on the main coast. So you, you could easily do that with just main boats. Because yeah, just <laughs> as I'm saying, just main boats. They're yes. everywhere. But yeah. can you imagine the uh, opposing views of some people? Because some people like the old, old views and, and nothing from the, from the new boats at all. You know, none of the glass boats would fit in some people's. Well, people have strange notions about the looks <laughs> of boats, and <laughs> right now I'm I'm preparing for to do another article for Maine Boats, Homes, and Harbors magazine, and <clears throat> I went up to Jonesport to visit with Dougie Dodge and <laughs> Willard Beal, and, you know, we toured a bunch of cemeteries and looked at everyone's grave, like Will Frost and Tall Barney and all that. Mm -hmm. had a had a great time with him, but I was snooping around looking to see if by any chance John Alden had ever gotten up that way, because this boat that I'm interested in now, the Waysquee 28, however you say Waysquee, um, looks really like a Down East Hall, and mm -hmm. it particularly looks like a, a Jonesport Hall, and we, we all know that John Alden spent a whole lot of time in the Midcoast and in Port Clyde and, you know, down Booth Bay Way, um, finding wooden boat builders who'd build a boat for a bargain price, and he, he made his reputation on that. And I just wondered if he'd ever been up there, but neither Dougie nor Willard could say that 
John but, had ever gotten that far. But would he necessarily have to go there? Because how many of our boats from Jonesport went to, I know that Alvin built a number of boats that went to Rockport, Mass. Oh, absolutely. So he wouldn't have to go very far to find some of the examples of Down East built boats. And, you know, Dougie had the, so several boats that went to Cohasset, oh, yeah. Massachusetts. And that's yeah, not time far. machine. It, the famous time machine, <laughs> which is still going. <laughs> it's a time machine. All right. <laughs> This is Boat Talk. This is a, a radio show where a bunch of old guys sit around and <laughs> talk about boats. Um, you can join the conversation, though, too. It's uh, easy. Just call in uh, area code 207-469-0500, or you can email us, too. I have the uh, laptop right here by my side, and uh, you can email us by just going to boattalk.org and... Uh, no, boattalk at gmail.com, boattalk at gmail.com, and uh, I'll read your email, and we'll get on to the conversation that way, but we're talking, you've already heard uh, Art Payne, another one of the uh, old boat guys who's right currently right now restoring a Hinkley B-40, I think we'll have to like back up and talk about Hinkley B-40s first, one of the, uh, they were the first Hinkley that was made in fiberglass. Um, I can't remember the year, but it was... 60. 60, yeah. Huntress. Was yes, that Hun- Huntress, right. Huntress. Yeah. Yep, and the, actually the man who bought that way back then, at least in, I believe, in the last few years, still owns it, still has that same boat out in Hawaii now. Wow. Yeah, that's what, probably 60 years. 63 years. Yeah, 63 years. Because didn't she make it to the Bermuda race? Wasn't that what she was doing? They had to get her done in some yes, I believe, prescribed yeah, time. Yeah, Bob has a story about that, or <laughs> I think that's the one. But um, B-40s are pretty um, amazing boat. Um, Art and I have a friend who is no longer with us named Dave Munsell, who was a great artificiano of uh, all kinds of boats, had been sailing around the world, and he always said that B-40 was his favorite boat just because it was uh, so multi-purpose. It has a centerboard that you can raise and lower so you can go in shallow water. But with the centerboard, it's big enough that you can go offshore and not worry too much about rolling over. Um, yeah, I've had them. I've delivered a lot of them over the years and captained a few of them. And Well, what happened on this one is I got a phone call in the middle of June. I was working at Jim Elk's shop. But we were kind of winding down, and somebody from South Carolina called, said they wanted a classic boat. And okay. what would I recommend? And I said, a Bermuda 40. Yeah. Um, we can interrupt our conversations here when we get a phone call like we do right now. We have a, a phone call from Frank in Lemoyne. Good afternoon, Frank. Hey, how you doing? I see on the TV there's the Victory Chimes is going to auction. Yes. The, 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 the uh, big sailboat. So you got three boat guys there. You can give me a guesstimate what it'll go for at auction, what it should go for, or what's the value of it. Well, that could be really interesting because I think I'd have it surveyed first. Because I think there's. I would, I would hope so. Well, because the Coast Guide's pulled its uh, certificate. Yeah, it doesn't move. So that could be a tough one. And, you know, and the other thing I do is ask the Coast Guard what it would take to get the certificate back. Ah, uh, so we're down to $25? Uh, 
Well, I'd put, you know, like my day wife today told me that I couldn't even put an, a bid in for a dollar because I be, might be the only bidder. <laughs> well, I think the solution is clear. You just drive it up to uh, Northeast Harbor and you call it affordable housing because there's a lot of room in that boat. <laughs> there is a lot of room a, in that boat. There's a crisis on affordable housing on Mount Desert Island. So. I remember when that was being rebuilt in uh, Booth Bay Thank Harbor you, Frank. in the, the 1988, I believe, 1987. She was on the railway. and But then right after that, she was owned by... Uh, uh, Monahan wasn't that his name? The guy that owned Domino's Pizza, oh, yeah. and it, she became the Domino Effect. Huh. Is that for? Is that yeah. for real? Oh yeah, she went up <laughs> onto the Great Lakes, and uh, she was called the Domino Effect. It didn't last that long because most people didn't like the name, and Tell you know, me. I think his name was Paul Monahan. It hasn't been used in the, in the sailing fleet for a while. I think she. I don't think she sailed last year. Okay, but. Uh, you know, in, but find out how much she needs to have done. Some of the well, schooner. I, I, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think Frank is going to buy it. <laughs> hey, you know, there was another one that appeared online that was free for the taking was the Jacob Pike. And she just went to Cundy's Harbor, I believe. Yeah, my buddy Paul wanted to go down to Which was the starting carrier. Yeah. And then Jack's supposed to give him the test of paint. All right, I'm going to hang up. Bye-bye. And we're going to buy flies again. Yeah. yeah. yeah unfortunately, there's not a lot of those uh, sardine carriers floating around anymore because the Pauline sitting on the railway at Billings with a lot of her plank off, I think most of the, four, uh, the bow and the stern have been rebuilt. But hopefully they can find the money to put the pieces back together because, you know, and I know the group that was behind it is the group in Booth Bay Harbor that tries to use them to go out after ghost traps around the area there. And I'm not sure that, you know, they're still trying to get, get the money to finish the project, but, you know, that's a big project. It is, but it's one beautiful boat. Maine it, it is. had a lot to do with the design of that boat. And when I first saw that boat, I said, somebody designed that boat who had an eye that was better than anyone I could think of. Huh. It you was know, it, perfect. You said Maynard, right? Maynard Bright? I think you did. Yeah, because, you know, it's interesting because I talked to Maynard last Friday because he disputed the lines in Harold Payson's book. And he has a real set of lines that another person took off, and I believe he took it off the Pauline. And they had done it with photographs. And so then, and because if you do this, a model, a lot of model builders do this. They can, you can run around a boat, take all the pictures, so long as you know one dimension, you can actually design the boat in the computer. I can imagine that. Yeah. yeah. And that's really neat for those model people because they're really fussy. You, you want to talk about, and they're incredible historians because they chase down every tidbit of information on that boat to find every photograph. I don't know if you've ever been to Mystic Seaport, they, they actually have a, the, just north of the uh, shipyard, there's a building, and that's what they do in there, is research those vessels that they are going to rebuild. And well, it, it used to be run by Nancy DeStang, but I, don't, I can't remember what happened to her, but that would be a fun job. Well, that, that's one of the reasons that I went to Jonesport last weekend was to talk to Willard because he's a... A historian. Well, they're all historians on Jonesport model boats. <laughs> they're all history. <laughs> and, and, of course, he's 
famous for building what he calls the little boats, those you know, five-foot-long, perfect, beautiful mm -hmm. uh, wooden models screwed uh -huh. together just like a real boat. Uh -huh. And uh, I figured he'd have all the scoop. Of course, I was looking for John Alden, but I got more history than I needed. And uh, <laughs> he showed me his little book of all the launchings. He launched all of his boats bow first, and I yep. asked him if that's good luck or bad luck, and he said he never heard that it was bad luck to <laughs> yeah. launch a boat bow first, and I just kept my mouth shut. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, he probably is right. Yeah, Willis, is a, is, I probably visit him almost once a month. You know, and it's fun to go in there and watch him put that boat together. Now, that's the only 63-inch boat he's going to build because he's already told the owner of the model, who's Alonzo Eaton, Alonzo Alley, that he gets the jig, too. <laughs> he's got the jig hanging up on the wall. Well, I know, right but now. it's going with the boat because he wants to go back to building the smaller boats, which are around 35 inches, and because the next one, I believe, is going to his brother, Robert. Yeah, you know, what amazed me is I thought that his customers would all be New Yorkers that had fancy houses in Wausau. Most of them come from our named Alley or Beal, and right. they come from right round there. Yep. Yeah, Benny Beal had two of them. Yeah, they're, they're beautiful. I'm saving up for one myself. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah, but his list is about eight. We figure it's eight names long right now. He's 79, and he, he was not sure that he can get to the last one. Well, I hope he gets to mine. <laughs> no, nah, he's an incredible builder. Yeah. And it's always funny because Alvin told him, once you build a playboat, you won't build a real one. And that's what happened because Alvin built them, the five-footers. Hmm. And we're trying to estimate how many Alvin built because they counted the stem heads that Alvin had collected. And they said it was over 100. But wow. Alonzo, and, and Alonzo's got a huge collection of, of model boats. And Alonzo hmm. said... I don't think he got to 100 because that, that would almost mean like two to three a year. There's a lot of people who build model boats nowadays. I mm -hmm. mean, I'm talking about making, buying a kit and putting it together. I'm talking, yeah, yeah, from, yeah they get from scratch. Scratch models built, they call Models yeah. of all sorts of strange boats that are out there. And uh, you're listening to Boat Talk right now, a call-in radio show for model citizens. If you'd like to give us a, <laughs> like to give us a call. Number is four six nine zero five zero zero or boattalk at gmail dot com. We had a uh, a person who makes bottles uh, down in the Hudson River uh, give us a call a few years ago and send us some pictures. He's interested in making models of uh, mostly military vessels. Yeah, that's what Al Ross loves to do over at Blue Jackets. He calls it the Gray Fleet. The Gray Fleet, and yes. he hates the sticks and string stuff. Hmm. Those are sailing vessels. Huh. He, in fact, he'll do the hull. He'll put all of the everything on the boat. He'll even put the mast up. But he will. He tries hard as hell not to do the rigging. <laughs> yeah, especially the last one, which is the Wyoming, because she was a six-masted schooner. Whew. And I can't remember how many hundreds of feet of string they used to put them all the rigging on that boat. It was like eight, seven or nine hundred feet of of yeah. string. Well, there's less learning to do because once you learn how to do one mast, you just replicate it six times. Right, but some people don't like doing the replication part. <laughs> they like doing the first one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm built that way myself. <laughs> I could never figure out, like Dick Pulsifer, how he could build 100 of those Pulsifer Hamptons. Because he couldn't build anything more beautiful. Once he had one done, he figured, you know, varnish the transom. But could you build 100 of them? 
Oh, no, I can't build more than one of anything. <laughs> yeah. It's almost like uh, Andy Vavilatis. You know, you go down there, and he's always into something. And it's usually a pretty interesting project. But once it's done, it's up in the rafters. He may not even market it. And they're, you know, real good ideas, some of the stuff he had come up with. Nope. <laughs> We're talking about Blue Jacket down in Searsport who makes these kits. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And you were saying when COVID came out, it was like Christmas for him. Oh, yeah, because I went in there. I thought, oh, my God, this, this poor place is going to be, you know, going down the, the tubes. I go in there, they're the happiest bunch of people oh, I've yeah. ever seen in my life. People sitting around, what are you going to do? Yeah. <laughs> and they moved a lot of models. Yeah, I bet they did. And But today, model building isn't like it used to be, because I have some of their old ones when it was Boucher. And it was, like you said, it came as raw wood. You know, there was, you know, flat pieces and round pieces and all kinds of stuff. But these today are all laser cut, a lot of uh, Britannic uh, pewter inside for the fittings. So it's a lot easier to build. It's almost like building the kits, the plastic kits we used to do when we were kids. But you got to be a lot more careful. Yeah. Well, we did that mostly for the smell of well, the glue. I was going to say that was about <laughs> sniffing the glue. <laughs> But the one that they just finished was the USS Oregon. That was that's a really nice model that Al Ross put together. Well, this is a sore subject with me, <laughs> this boat model thing, because in my entire life of buying, selling things, I've bought some exquisite things, old Volvos. But <laughs> um, one, the biggest thing I ever regret not buying in my life was at that boat show down there in Portland. Once they moved away from the waterfront, they. Uh, they had the guys with all the junk, the bronze junk from Nova Scotia. And this oh, guy had them. a huge, huge pile of interesting stuff. And right in the middle of it was a huge uh, full ship model, full rig ship, properly rigged in a cherry cabinet, you know, glass all surrounding it. And nobody had bought it. It was the last day of the sale. I showed up, and I had a bunch of friends with me. And I looked at that boat, and he had a price on it. Of $1,500. And I said to myself, that wow. took someone That's a year, two years. 50 cents an hour. To build. <laughs> and uh, the trouble is, the next day I was going to the Bahamas. And I said to the guy, I'll buy it as soon as I get home. And he said, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll take you 1400 because I had to chisel him down a little bit. So he said, yeah, it'll be here when you come home. When I came home, I went to his antique shop. Where was it? He had sold it. Uh, the antique shop was in Searsmont or somewhere up that up long road. Up in Swanville? Road. Yeah, yeah. Jeff, the uh, tool builder, the tool guy. Yeah, the tool guy, yeah. I and, know where that model is. Well, I was going to take advantage of being on the radio to say, I'll pay more than $1,500 for that model if anyone's listening I and can, wants to get rid of it. I can tell you where the model is. Oh, my God. Because it's in my living room. <laughs> no. Was it built in South America? I have no idea. Somebody told me that model was built Did, in South America. Let me see if it's the same one. Because oh, I'll the, know. Because the, the uh, mizzenmast, the boom on the mizzenmast, he had built the, uh, uh, the uh, case too small, and the mizzenmast was cocked to the side. We need to talk. <laughs> <laughs> it had a name on it, and it was a South American name. Yeah, I don't think this one has a South American name. But he, he comes up with a lot of interesting things, besides interesting tools he's got. 
I don't need any more old tools. <laughs> I just need to, tools that function now that I'm working so hard. Because <laughs> was that at the old at the old show when not was, at Phineas's show at the at, at the the show that was out near Route 95 there on 195. Yep. 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 And I regretted so much not having that. And my wife didn't regret it. I already have a, a full... <laughs> I traded a painting for a, a, a um, Charles W. Morgan um, model, but I put it in the trunk of my car down in Marion, Massachusetts, transported it home, and it didn't really fare the, all that well on the trip. So, oh. and Stormy I weather? Uh, Potholes? It's always stormy weather in the <laughs> 1993 Volvo. Um, anyway... I'm interested in your mom. Now, now I got a question. Didn't you start work at uh, Allen Weitzes? Or did you work for Allen? I designed a boat, a quarter tonner, and he was the one that built the hulls for those boats. I sold six of them. Did you? Yeah. Did you ever work there? No, I can't stand that much styrene. Well, he did. Well, he didn't do a lot of glasswork. He liked wood, although he didn't. He did mostly composite stuff when I was a kid. Because if you went past his boat shop, I was two houses down. Oh, I'll be darned. Hmm. Well, he's one of them that got me started writing. Well, that's a good thing. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. Some people might not agree, but uh, he and my uncle and a guy at Eastern Maine Medical Center, I give credit to getting me started in this. Well, that's a darn good thing, not only in terms of writing, but in terms of racing Maine lobster boats and a whole yeah, lot of right. other things. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Alan Vices. May you rest in peace. <laughs> yeah. He had a radical 210 in the backyard, but I never got to see it to understand why it was radical. Oh, my God. Because he and C. Raymond Hunt were very, very close friends. Yeah, well, I raced one of his boats. Yeah. And when I lived in Marblehead, you know, I was a pretty hot sailor, and so people would give me their boats to upvalue them. Mm -hmm. And someone had a 210 built by Alan Vices that weighed a whole lot more than a 210 ought to weigh, but it wasn't going to break. And the name of the boat was Mock Turtle, and it was an <laughs> apt name. But we'd, we'd win in it every once in a while. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Alan was a very interesting guy. Because he learned building at, at Hershoff's company. Of course, it was after Hershoff was gone, but, you know, in the th 30s and 40s, because he was there during the war. Wow. Do doing, uh, that, I think that's where he learned coal molding. I didn't even know. I mean, I had a mold, uh, yeah, I had a mold at that point, and I just needed someone to job so just it up. these uh, strange-looking quarter tunnels. That, that was I probably designed. done down in the back shop. I don't really remember. <laughs> <laughs> The price was right. I remember that. <laughs> yeah, he, he. I don't think he was very expensive. He I got wasn't. his book. He wrote a book that never got published on uh, uh, his life in, as a boat builder. I've heard of the book. Yeah, and I think I've, I've got the copy. It's it. Stevie because Stevie's his son, and he was he was a pilot for TWA. He flew seven forty sevens and seven fifty sevens. Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but that's all he wanted to do. That's probably better money than boat building, even. Yeah, because I was told once by somebody you know uh, very notice well. everyone's laughing. <laughs> well, I was told once by Mr. Butler over on, M on MDI that building boats was the only thing that was like was swapping a buck for a buck. <laughs> yeah, we've heard that. Yeah. So 
If you uh, like to join this conversation and talk about anything, <laughs> we don't have to talk about whatever we're talking about right now. And the number to call is 469-0500 if you have any uh, spring season questions about um, getting your boat ready to go in the water. Now is a very good chance. We could probably make up some sort of an answer. <laughs> But while we're doing that, um, one thing I would like to talk about today is our, you're putting lithium batteries, I believe, into this B40. We are, yep. That's, uh, that's modern. Yeah, the B40's getting restored to look like new, and it's going to have some very unusual features. And uh, one of them is the, the people who own it are from South Carolina, where it's hot, and uh, they want air conditioning. It's hard to put air conditioning in a Bermuda 40 because it doesn't have a whole lot of extra space. Mm. There's no real place to put a genset in. And they want to be able to run air conditioning for five or more hours completely silent. No engines going in the boat, not the main engine, and you can't even put in a genset. And nor shore power. And the only way to do it, I mean, I'm pretty old-fashioned conservative when it comes to being a boat captain, and I don't think electrons and boats really mix all that well anyway. <laughs> So, but I had to kind of swallow that when they said this is one of the major functions of this boat is to take people out on charity cruises. These people who own the boat um, raise lots of money yeah, for medical for charities. Some cool cash. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> and by they have they own some restaurants and they have a couple of chefs, very good chefs, who come aboard and wine and dine people. And then they tap them for a little money at the yeah, end. Yeah, okay. We, ha we have another phone call, so we'll go to Bob in Stonington. Good afternoon, Bob. Welcome to Boat Talk. Yeah, good. You were talking about Willis Beale. I had a boat built by Clinton Beale in 64, and Willis Beale was in the crew, and they got a dollar an hour, and they built five in one winter. Yeah, and, I probably, and I probably owned one of her sisters because I... <laughs> Oh, you had one, that's right. I still have her. The like, Cindy Jean now. Yeah, Cindy yep. Jen. Because you yep. probably know where she went, because she went out to Isla Ho. She was Phil Alley's boat. Oh, she was Phil Alley's. Well, that was the first one they built that winter. Right. Actually, yeah, in 64, quite and, sure. Yeah, and when Willis went to work on uh, with Clinton, that was the first boat he worked on, and the only thing he got to do was put the hardware to her, because she was pretty well done by the time he got there. Oh, yeah, okay. Well, yes. I just thought I'd add that comment but, for you. But, but now, is your boat wider? Is your boat 8 feet or 8.5? My old one was 10 feet. Yeah, see, he said that the next one or the next couple ones after mine um, were better because they were wider. What they what they had was some kind of a steel on the uh, molds. They had a steel uh, angle iron that they could mold yep. out wider or narrower. Yep. Yeah, they shimmed them out. Yeah, and... Uh, so everything was by eye in the old days. Yep. <laughs> yeah. yeah, my boat's doing real well. It just needs yeah. to have be re-canvassed the deck, but other than that. Yeah, well, that was the days before fiberglass. In and yep. <laughs> but they was quite a boat for the money, and I think the hull was $3,000. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Times have changed. You bet so. that. <laughs> yeah. Well, now thank you, you anyway. Now uh, you can't buy the propeller for $3,000, ask me. No. <laughs> How many hours okay. a day well, did they... actually, I'll make a comment. Sure. There was a boat shop in Rockland, and I bought a 12-foot, inch-and-a-half Monel shaft for $150. <laughs> Which boat shop was that? Was that Rockland Boat? I don't know. I can't remember Was now. it down on the pier? 
somewhere, but I, it's too you many know, too many years ago. Oh, because down where Journey's End is, that's where Rockland Boat Yeah, I know what you mean, Rockland yeah. Boat, yeah. Yeah, because yeah. yeah. that yeah. turned into Hamilton Marine. Yeah, that's right, yeah. Yep. So okay. Well, thank you. One more question, quick. Um, when they worked for a dollar an hour, how many uh, hours a day did they work usually? They probably worked an eight-hour day, maybe more. And they built, and of course, you know, a lot of those boats were built outdoors. That one, they had a boat shop, but I don't think they had any fire in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, a lot of them didn't. No. No. Yeah. Take the temper out of the hammers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, thank well, you. What they done? What Clinton done when he got the planks out for one boat? He got the plank out for the next boat. So in every boat they built, they had one extra set. So that <laughs> saved a lot of time. Yeah, he was an interesting guy. I remember Clinton. Yeah. Okay. Good to talk to you. Thank you for calling. Four six nine zero five zero zero is number into the studio. Well, Art, you were talking about Willis and building the boat, the model that he's just the done. The boat, yeah. Well, a couple of years ago, I asked him, I says, how much are you making an hour? And he says, I did figure it out. It was a buck and a quarter. Yeah, well, I asked him this weekend, and he said he's probably making maybe eight bucks an hour on that boat. Maybe. That built. Yeah, yeah. Maybe. But he could care less. Even at a buck and a quarter, he could have cared less. I'd love to be doing what he's doing. Yeah. He was having fun. Did you ask him how he made the chocks? I did, and I noticed something about those chocks. Oh, I shouldn't say it. They're the same. They should be He's one ready. the other they way. Sh one should go one way and one should go the yeah. other way out on the bow. But did you also notice underneath the uh, uh, the visor, he had hit it with the brush, and Alonzo won't let him correct it? No, because only God is perfect. <laughs> When I when I do holidays in my varnish work, I say, no, only God is perfect. <laughs> <sighs> so, um, okay, we're going to talk with uh, Ben Ellison about lithium batteries, but apparently he's having problems with his phone because we're unable to reach him now. So anyway, we'll get back to lithium batteries. I, I, I want to charge ahead with that one. Uh, <laughs> uh, lithium is, um, I believe you have to have a special alternator or voltage regulator or something like that. All of the above. Oh, oh really? Okay. So we re I repowered this boat with a Nanny diesel because I couldn't get a Yanmar, but I'm happy with the, with the Nanny. Um, but one of the provisos was that the company had to be willing to put a serpentine belt pulley on the front of it in order to run a 150-amp single alternator to recharge these batteries. And then th that's all fine, although it's kind of nice to oppose a pull like that on one side, but Nanny says it'll, it'll handle it forever. Um, but the electronics that's in this is daunting. And because of, you know, Fort Myers saying that they spent all of their time putting out fires in electric cars during the hurricane, I, I was hired as a consultant to choose and find and fix up this boat. I hired a consultant to uh, tell me it was perfectly okay to put lithium-ion <laughs> batteries in. Uh -huh. Okay. Well, well, we'll get back to that in a minute. We have another phone call. Call from Lydia. Good Good afternoon, Lydia. Welcome to Boat Talk. Hi, thanks. Hey, um, I just moved back to Maine after 35 years away, 
And um, But in 1986, I graduated from Bowdoin, and I worked on the Sylvina W. Beale. Yep. And I wonder if you could tell me what's happened to her. Where is she lately? You don't want to know. Uh oh. <laughs> Uh-oh. She was sailed out of Southwest Harbor, and I can't believe he did this. Harold Burnham, down in Essex, Massachusetts, owns the boat. She's been run up into a creek in Essex, so if you go to Essex, Massachusetts, you'll find Burnham shot pretty easily because uh, as you go over the bridge, and right now it's under construction, so they've got you detoured just a little bit uh, around uh-huh. it. And if you look to your left, that's Harold Burnham shop on the other point. Uh, okay. And he's building, basically he's going to build another boat with the Savina Beal next to it and call it the Savina Beal. Number oh. one, the reason is is that she's in really bad shape. When he got there, there was probably a six-inch list to the port side. Uh, oh. You could put your hand through some of the places in the hull. Oh, dear. Yeah. So, uh, so he's building a whole new boat, but the biggest reason is it's Coast Guard certified, and a lot would have had to have been changed in the old boat to make it work. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, but if you want to see her, she's sitting down there. I've, okay. got pictures, I've got pictures of her as she sits. We had a really good time. I mean, we were doing three-day cruises out of South Portland that summer. I spent a few weeks or so in Camden getting her ready to go for that experiment. And But that year they did the Statue of Liberty restoration. Mm-hmm. So we got to sail down to New York and be in the Tall Ships Parade and Fourth of July celebration, and that was a lot of fun. Um, but, yeah, I learned a lot from doing that i got my sea legs and and uh figured out how to tie a bunch of knots and that sort of thing <laughs> <laughs> anyway i haven't done it for a long time but now i'm back in maine so it's, it's good to be here um and yeah i just moved back with a friend and he died we were both we are both 57 years old or he was but he's gone now so i'm sitting in his house in Sedgwick wondering what just happened and what to do next but i'm i'm loving your show i never heard it before so thanks for that well, thank you. Four six nine zero five zero zero is the number into the studio. Talk with Boat Talk here on Community Radio W E R U F M Blue Hill. And um, so, you by the look on your face when I talked about lithium batteries, are sounds like you wasn't your your idea to go with <laughs> the lithium. I was very, very skeptical at first, but I didn't understand. When these folks called, they were friends of friends of mine that I'd done similar work for years ago, and uh, I didn't know what their program was, but their program, as I said, is to take people sailing mostly for charitable purposes, and it involves, you know, sailing along quietly while a chef is in there on the only weight I tolerated being put up high, which was a convection air fry microwave and some other function <laughs> oven that will cook a three-course meal if you really know how to, which keys to punch. And uh, and they have to run that. That's 1,000 watts. Whoa. They have to run that, plus the air conditioning. Um, and I mean, I will say that one thing that I did on the boat insisted on, well, two things that I insisted on is one is having a telescoping or a swim ladder that can be punched over the side and immediately someone who falls overboard can get back on. The other thing I did, similar to previous boats these people had that were bigger boats, I made, with the same kind of a telescoping ladder, I made a means of egress out the forward cabin of the boat through the forward hatch. Right. 
So you can just drop this ladder down, plunks into place, and you can get out of there on one breath. Not that I think anything's going to happen. I've been mm-hmm. told it won't, but just in Murphy's case. Murphy's Law, right? Yeah. So it's a whole ladder that goes on the what, it goes on the head bulkhead? It goes forward of the head bulkhead. It, yeah. Because it telescopes, it gets short enough that it fits up in the recess oh, okay. of the forward hatch, and you can just pull it and pull. it extends itself down to the floor onto a special little thing that I made, yeah. and a person can... Get right up on over there. Snick, 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 snick. Yeah. Hopefully. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, did you see we've been following the Golden Globe race? Oh, yes, I have. There was been. a big problem last night. Oh, no, I didn't see that. Oh, Puffin got knocked down. Master's over the side. He's injured. And three fishing boats are on their way to rescue him. Puffin is Simon Curley? No. Uh, no. Uh, Simon's in... What's it? He's the first in Chichester class. Right, and he split both uh, Kirsten and the other guy that's yeah. uh, the only, I think they're the only, I guess there's three boats. There's three, yeah, still left. Yeah, and uh, but they're the ones that are ahead. She's still got the lead, but her angle isn't so good, but her speed's really good. Yeah. Uh, she is closer, so right. hopefully she can Yeah, she took a lot right. of time through the doldrums, but last night it was pretty interesting to see what they were going to have to do. The guys north of the Falklands, probably by three or 400 miles. This is the one that got dismasted. Got, yeah, Puffin, it's called, it was, is the huh. boat. Who? So that if you go on the slow go- you down. Yeah, that will. <laughs> and he was injured, so his back is bothering him. And mm. so, and they worried about, you know, cutting away the mass, but... You know, I, we'll see. Because I remember John Hughes, I don't know if anybody followed the BOC that year, but he was, I think, two or 3,000 miles east of uh, New Zealand when he was dismasted, left about a 10-foot piece or 16-foot piece still of the mast up, and he uh, rigged it with a jury rig and sailed to the Falkland Islands under jury rig. Wow. And then, because everybody was following, especially the Canadians, because he was from Canada, they actually had a new mast sitting for him waiting in in the Falklands. And so they stepped the new mast. Of course, these guys couldn't because then they'd end up in Chichester class in the Golden Globe because it's nonstop. But in the BOC, you could stop. But he didn't. I think he did a quick stop in Rio because that was one of the stops, and then came to Newport. Yeah, he was, you had there were four designated stops, and yeah. you had to get to one of them. I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was involved in the fifty-six, fifty-seven in Air 60, Force. Well, sixty, no, eighty-seven. Yeah, sixty. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. In that, and and they they required you to have a, a very strong pair of hydraulic snippers in order to cut your mast away and cut mm-hmm. your rigging away because so many boats had been sunk by a mast that innocently went over the side and then it punched a hole. And right. Yeah. So you want to be prepared for that. Mm-hmm. We're talking about the Golden Globe race, which um, if you would like some more information, you can go online to Golden Globe Two O Two Two. Because it started last year. It's September. <laughs> yeah. It's a it's a round-the-world race for boats that um, have to be built, what, before 1987? Something like that. They yeah. have to be a production boat. It had to be a production boat with a full keel. And um, you can't use any technology uh, later than 1968. Yeah, no, no GPSs or radars. No, nope, it's all, all celestial. Yeah. 
all celestial. I, I, I compare it to a, a very long road race in your grandma's car with no cell phone. Well, it's a bit of a demolition derby, too. It, it is. <laughs> well, you started with 16. Yeah, you're exactly. Down to 16. down to three now. Three. Oh, I think yeah. it's three in the... Yeah. Yeah, uh, there's a little bit of a sanity question, I think, to people who uh, want to try to do this. But they're doing it. At least three of them are. And yep. I'm, I say, go, girl, to uh, Kirsten. Oh, the whole world's the, the behind only Kirsten. Woman. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. She's. I, I saw one of the press releases because, of course, in Maine Coastal News, I've been running a lot of the stuff. In fact, some of the lobster fishermen actually read the thing. And I leave them whole because there's so much information in some of the uh, press releases about the types of boats and what they've gone through oh, and all really of this useful. stuff. It yeah. is. And so I didn't try to cut any of it, which could have been a mistake, but, you know, I figured people can skip it if they'd like. No cheap. Yeah. You hope. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, no, she's always been impressive because I interviewed her before she went to Canada to buy this boat. And you could tell that she had the capabilities of doing whatever she wanted to do out there. Well, she's proven it now. Oh, yeah. yeah. Plus, she had the mentality of being alone all those times. I mean, she left Canada after the boat got fixed, what was it, last winter, and sailed it all the way to South Africa. Then back up to France. Okay. And we have another uh, phone call. This one's from... Wade in Lincolnville. Lincolnville, okay. <laughs> the sign yeah, says, that's it. That's yeah, it. Lincolnville. I, I just, the sign just says Elville. I'm trying to <laughs> 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 come up with a good Levelville. You no, know, we're Lincolnville, and welcome to Boat Talk. Hey, thanks, thanks, love it. Um, so this is a. Uh, I'm a. I'm a. A Midwesterner, um, uh, freshwater boat guy moved up here. 10 years ago, and uh, I just love the show. I learned so much listening to you guys. But you, were, you just touched on something that, that, something that I just read, basically, because they were talking. I was reading something here just recently that uh, the Navy and military, if you will, are back to um, making it like mandatory that these guys learn how to navigate without... GPS, etc., back in the old style because of the opportunity of having satellites and everything knocked out if there's a war-type situation, which I thought that was kind of interesting. Well, I think you've also seen that in the uh, Merchant Marine Academies, too, because they were starting to drop some of the stuff because everything had gone electronic. But then they figured out things fail. Yeah. And I yeah. don't care how much, sometimes how many systems you have on a boat. I've seen people with five, six, seven redundant systems and all of them can go down especially like with hydro generators off the stern of a boat that they use for power well that's that's one reason i'm so prejudiced because i used to deliver boats and i one time i was delivering a boat to to um st thomas and all the electricity everything electrical went out on the boat and i hadn't got to bermuda yet and i intended to stop in bermuda but when everything went out, I knew that I had my $15 Davis Sexton. And I wasn't really great on stars, and that thing's a little flimsy for stars, but it'll do the sun just fine. Right. And so I just made sure to sail way to the east, so I knew which side of Bermuda on I was on. And I just did sun sights for latitude. Mm -hmm. 
at the latitude of Bermuda, and sure enough, at night I saw Gibbs Hill Lighthouse and uh, <laughs> with a $15 Davis sextant. <laughs> Thank goodness for that, and I didn't need timetables or anything like that. All I needed was Reed's Nautical Almanac. Yeah, yeah. You can always fall back on the uh, placemat you got at the last restaurant. Yeah. <laughs> I, I've seen somebody use a road map in Cuddyunk. We were sitting there on the beach as kids, and uh, somebody came in, and he had a road map, and he asked if this was the Cape Cod Canal, and we told him, yeah, <laughs> just keep going. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you, if you don't hear anything, you got it. <laughs> yeah. Of course, that was, you're in a pond. Yeah. <laughs> well, that, I've got a book here. Yeah, you've got two books. One of my favorite books, I'm reading it for the second time, called The Boy Who Fell to Shore, <laughs> about a guy named Thomas Thor Tangvald whose father was Peter Tangvald, who'd sailed around the world. And these people were famous for being cheapskates. And among sailors who want to cheat motion for free from the wind, you know, there's a few, there's a few cheapskates out there. But this, this fellow, Thomas Tangvald, navigated with a National Geographic map in order to get to Brazil. And he found Brazil. It's a big country. It's a good but, thing it's a big country. Yeah. <laughs> Talk about the other one. You've got the the Maine Lobster oh, Boat. That's my other favorite. That's a new book. It's the Maine Lobster Boat. And now, you found that really valuable. I sure did. Well, because I do a lot of writing about, you know, boats, and I love Maine Lobster Boats, and this is, for me, is the Bible. I didn't know all these good stories, and I understand John Johansson here says he can tell me about twice as many more well, than is in this book. That's because I, I can't tell you, but I can give you the references that I've got in my computer because I interviewed almost a lot of those people. And, and some of them, unfortunately, are gone. Well, yeah. it's a treasure to me, this book. Yep. It the was fun meeting lobster them. boat by... Daniel Sheldon Lee. Yep. Yeah. <clears throat> I discovered it because my son went to University of Vermont, and he... They send the whatever it is, the annual or the monthly book. And apparently this was written by a University of Vermont kid, grown, mm -hmm. up, grown up, and it was recommended in a, in a book review at the end of the thing. And I bought it and read it, and I just recommend it to anyone who's crazy about main boats. Yeah, he did a good job. I mean, he spent about an hour, uh, a year researching that thing and trying to go to everybody and then sift through the stories and then figure out, because, of course, some of them don't line up. <laughs> well, <laughs> how, do we deal, how do we deal with this? And, you know, basically he would tell both sides and let you decide, mm -hmm. which is the only way you can do it. Yeah, and I, I liked it because he did actual one-on-one -on -one interviews rather than just... Mm -hmm getting somebody else's information. and um, Now, what I just did, we just did for Main Build Boats, we did a video with Bruce Farron, who's a boat finisher down in Walpole. And it's up online if anybody wants to see it under Main Build Boats. But, you know, you go in there and you ask him, and you go back, and one of the best stories he tells is how his shop lifted up in the blizzard of 78 with a boat in it, floated out into the harbor and sunk. And did the boat keep the um, shop afloat? Nope. <laughs> they, they did manage to pull the boat out, but it was condemned by the insurance company and sold to Gamages. They finished it, and I think Bruce got another boat because he moved up into Walpole from South Bristol. Whoa. Yeah. What, did anybody have any pictures of that? 
Oh yeah, they got pictures. I, I believe That's of the house, pretty, of the of the, pulling, build, the the shop out in the middle of the thing. Yeah, pulling a boat out of a shop floating in the water. It's mm. a, yeah, it's a. He lost all his tools. They were all inside. Oh yeah, what a shame. Mm. Yep. Well, this book has the story about Harold Gower and how he moved his shop from in, the island off of uh, Barney's Cove. There's going to be a lot of shops moving, I think, lately. There's a, that's a, why I have plimsoll marks on the side of my vomit. <laughs> yeah. Well, the shop that's just down the hill from where you live, Art, has been underwater. Oh, I know. Yeah. I know. I've taken pictures Well, that's of the it. old Bass Harbor, right? Yeah. Yeah. Chumby's old place. Yeah. So we only have about three minutes left to boat talk. I'm afraid we have to forego any any phone calls. Do we have to bail out now? We no. to, we're almost time to bail, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm interested in the book by uh, Charles Duane, is that Doan. it? Doan, I think. Doan, yeah, D-O-A-N-E. Yeah, the boy who found Brazil. It, it's a fascinating book, not so much about boats, but about people. Yeah, and, well, what's the inspiration to make him want to go sailing with just a National Geographic map? Well, partly it's just being so cheap and wanting to live a minimal life with, you know. Yeah, but minimal life could get you killed. Well, actually, the Peter Tangvald, the, this fellow's father, uh, married seven different women. He was a very handsome man, and three of his wives died on board his boats. Ooh. Now, that could be interesting. <laughs> so there's yeah. a story there. Um, <laughs> so, what for, it, so I should see this on ID Discovery pretty soon? Uh, some, <laughs> one of those channels. <laughs> yeah. So that's the boy who fell from shore. Fell too shore. Yeah. yeah. And it's about time to wrap up boat talk. No. Oh. Come to the end of the hour, sailed right by again. Thanks to Amy down in the engine room. And... Tune again next month, second Tuesday of the month, 4 o'clock, here on Community Radio WERU-FM Blue Hill.